Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, helping higher education marketing leaders share knowledge about learning, strategies, and tactics that are relevant today. See what you can learn today by listening to one of our episodes. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Higher Ed Demand Gen Podcast, hosted by Concept3D. If you like our content, please follow or subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, or whatever your streaming platform is. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a comment. We'd really appreciate it. My name is Shiro, and today I'm really excited to be talking about how crazy it is to do the same thing and expect different results. In particular, we'll be talking about creating student experiences. And for that, I'm really excited to have our guest join us today. You may know him from the Higher Ed Geek podcast. Uh, He's also the community engagement lead at Pathify as well. Please welcome Dustin Ramsdale. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, always good to be in community and chatting with a fellow podcaster. So I appreciate the uh, the chance to do that. It's it's great to have you. And I do ask all my guests this icebreaker. Dustin, what do you love about higher ed? Yeah, it's, it's a great question because, I mean, there, there is so much to love. Uh, I think for me, uh, as I gaze upon my uh, University of Delaware mascot bobblehead that I have on my desk, uh, it's uh, the ability to have like this lifelong kind of affinity and affection and love for the institution that, that gave me so much. So like that I can keep that connection really active and fulfilling uh, long after uh, graduating. So I think it's just that ability to have such a like deep and personal impact, even though there's all these other impacts that it has, obviously, in sort of, you know, the workforce and just society and all these sort of like really macro things, you know, it really does sometimes just come down to kind of the the individual, how did they feel? Did they feel supported? Did they, you know, have fun? Did they learn things? Uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's what I'll go with. I find that fascinating. And, and I know you're very involved with higher ed because you have your own podcast, right? With the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? How long have you kept the show running there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been podcasting generally for a very long time. The very first show I ever did started in March of 2014. uh, And Higher Ed Geek launched in November 2017. So we just passed Mm -hmm. our five-year anniversary, which is uh, quite the milestone. Very, very grateful for that. And yeah, it's been a fun ride because I think I just love the medium and just as a sort of a vehicle to have these really... Uh, fulfilling and kind of fruitful conversations for myself and knowing that, you know, I almost don't want to like hog them to myself. You know, it's like, it's just something that I want to be able to share and give back to the field. And um, yeah, so really, really have enjoyed doing it uh, over uh, yeah the past over five years. That's, that's fantastic. And for the listeners who don't know your, about your podcast, can you tell us a little bit more about like the format structure, what kind of people and guests you have on the show? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, similar to this, just kind of classic interview style, um, just typically one person. Sometimes I'll have uh, multiple, but um, I, you know, exclusively kind of focus on higher ed. And there's sometimes maybe tangential, you know, things that are sort of impacting on maybe a policy level or uh, things like that. But really kind of keep the focus in on higher ed, talk with presidents of institutions, folks who work in ed tech uh, in leadership positions and everything. But uh, really just trying to have kind of lighthearted, engaging conversations that, uh, are kind of just driving forward the field, you know, the, the kind of topics of the day and the issues and uh, best practices and all that. So, um, you know, on one hand, it is a pretty kind of open mandate of, you know, what we're talking about. But, um, 
nowadays I'm finding like a lot of, you know, ed tech folks want to be on and, you know, a lot of folks want to hear from them. So that's been a lot of focus lately is just kind of uh, exploring, obviously, the increasingly, you know, digitizing nature of our work. And uh, I know I had uh, your CEO on uh, a, a mm-hmm. short while back, which was uh, a treat. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a, a great sort of effort on my part, like that I, you know, th- th- what I get from it kind of part of it but then just knowing that yeah so many other people enjoy it is it's just very uh it matters a lot to me yeah thank you i listened to that episode with concept 3d's ceo gordon boys it's it a great one so thanks for having us on your show as well that's great and i just checked spotify it looks like you're almost at 200 episodes you're at 192 at least posted so that's a lot of episodes congratulations <laughs> on keeping it going i know how much work it is to keep any podcast going but let alone over 100 and to that 200 benchmark. That's fantastic. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, great. I know we had a quick intro call and a coffee meeting before this uh, the other week, and we talked about some topics. And, you know, one thing that you're seeing as, as you talk to all these guests with your podcast and as you're involved with higher ed, I know you mentioned there's just a big lack of awareness in higher ed right now. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, thinking about student experiences and, you know, prospective student experiences, there's just a lot of noise out there. You know, there's a lot of noise in terms of if you're just trying to search for information, or even if you've kind of zeroed in on an institution, you know, they're going to have a website just chock full of information buried in submenus and this, that, the other thing. It's just hard to navigate. So I think, you know, I think it really is that we kind of have this like embarrassment of riches where, you know, a student just saying like, oh, what's a online business program or something like they're just probably going to be overwhelmed. And how do you try to either distinguish yourself and maybe those classic mediums or try to kind of distill what you're trying to communicate so it's more clear and easier to kind of break through? Um, I just think, yeah, it's, you know, there's been so much investment and what institutions are trying to build around like support resources or their program offerings and all that. So like half the battle now is just in the kind of the delivery, you know, of what they've built, what they offer, who they are. Um, So I think that that's kind of an interesting kind of conundrum where I think sometimes there's been so much emphasis on maybe the marketing and the outreach and all that. And it still, you know, needs to continue to have its, you know, kind of due emphasis. But um, I'm sort of observing now that I feel like, uh, half the battle is going to be the sort of uh, the modality and delivery of, you know, mm. of content information, especially to prospective students as they're making their decisions. Is this a conversation around quantity over quality as well? Is it related to that? Yeah. I mean, I think in a sense, because there, I believe that there's this perspective of like, you kind of just do the fire hose approach or sort of deluge, you know, students, which is like all the information that any mm-hmm. possible student would ever need to know versus trying to contour that information as much as you can. Like it, and that can be certainly challenging. You want to try to, you know, through various means, get some information, get some insights into who this person is and what they're looking for. But um, as you get that information, I think you have to actually sort of start to utilize it and build out content mm-hmm. that can kind of, uh, you know, content or just sort of like, you know, platforms are just sort of environments that are going to help to kind of, again, do that sort of distillation so they can focus and know what do I need to know as, you know, the person I am for what I'm looking for at this particular institution, you know, at this time. So, yeah, I mean, you kind of want to consider, you don't, you don't want to just sort of overwhelm 
a prospective student who's maybe interested in your institution in particular, you then overwhelm them when they've already made hey. one choice at least with like too much information. Gotcha. And and so what's the fix? I know we talked a little bit around personalization around the pr- uh, prospective student. Is that really, is that where you're leaning towards right now? Yeah. I mean, that's like the big thing for me is we have the tools and the ability now to create really meaningful, personalized prospective student experiences and doing that with, yeah, the digital first mindset is kind of the big thing that I've been thinking about a lot, which like has implications across the entire institution, but focusing in on the prospective student experience, you know, you've got all the information and all the noise and just envisioning the sort of like, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of freeing nature, the sort of like optimization of, you know, differentiating the student's uh, kind of information gathering about institution. If they're a residential student versus a commuter, an art student versus a business student and starting to kind of stack all of those things. And if they can kind of have a gateway to enter in, explore what this institution is all about, what it offers, how are you going to meet, you know, meet other people and just navigate everything. But it gets rid of all the stuff that you're not going to need to know about. And you can kind of even then kind of just like, you know, parse out from that what you want to see and how you want to see it um, to start to be more reassured, be more sort of knowledgeable about all of the great things that this institution has invested in for you um, so that you kind of feel more uh more confident in the decision that you're making and all the things that you'll need to do to mm-hmm. you know get onboarded and oriented and all those kind of things and, and you, you mentioned digital first mindset earlier does that just mean the delivery of all this information is like through email like what does that what does that mean specifically yeah i mean i would say that that would be the predominant modality is you know yeah texting email having as much as you can sort of you know virtual calls and various things and even like uh utilizing tools like chat bots or you know like and that that ability to have kind of a 24 7 live chat option Mm, and things like that but the guiding philosophy that can again permeate all different kind of facets of the institution is that like you build with that digital first mindset all those things you know digital uh tools that help an online student, a hybrid student, but really help all of your students, you know, because you just think of increasingly working adult learners that are, you know, looking for uh, options to kind of upskill or reskill and all that. Like you want to be well prepared to support any student in any way and any time with whatever they need. And I think those are, you know, having that digital first mindset is a really effective way to do that. Um, because again, they're, they're just so dynamic, they're so flexible, uh, and it doesn't rely on, um, either students having to make decisions in a vacuum because they can't come to campus or they can't, you know, get in hold of somebody during business hours or you're overwhelming some poor advisor or something like just over email. That's all. That's the only way you can ever get an answer to any question. It's just sort of bottlenecking through to one place. There's just like a lot of, a lot of options, um, to get, uh, yeah, to get questions answered. Gotcha. And, and if you focus on personalizing these experiences for students, you know, whether you're a residential or commuter or you're an art student or a business student, like what is the, how does that reflect on the business? Like what is the, uh, what is the goal that you're, you're getting closer to as an institution when you focus on, you know, these more granular aspects of outreach and information delivery? Yeah. I mean, it, frankly, it's just like 
you know, minimizing melt and optimizing the number of students who retain. And I think that there's kind of a clear line between those is that like, you know, if you're just, you know, there's a whole other conversation of just like, you know, who are the students that you're recruiting? But like, regardless, it's like, you know, whatever that pool of students is, the better mm -hmm. informed, prepared they are, you know, the more likely that they're going to feel like, cool, I've got this. I understand. I'm not getting tripped up or missing something or kind of, you know, kind of starting on the wrong foot in my first semester. And then from there, you have so much more of a stronger foundation as time goes on. You're going into your second, third year, fourth year mm -hmm. uh, versus not even knowing something existed until your senior year and you were like drowning, you know. Um, so the ability to, again, personalize, help the information be presented in a much more user-friendly way on a mobile app, a web website is the exact same thing. And all that, it's it just, you know, again, institutions have invested so much in their orientation of students and creating all the mental health support, student engagement clubs, and all these different opportunities and career services and all that. And it's a tragedy that I think we see time and time again that, uh, Students just lack a lot of awareness of uh, what these supports are, how to, mm -hmm. you know, take advantage of them. And, yeah, you know, it just leaves a lot of sort of uh, room for growth for, again, that, that delivery, the modality that we're presenting these things and how can students get a hold of these various offices and, you know, wishing that you you can just remove as much friction as possible because like right. any of these things couldn't be, you know, they, they wouldn't have to be where it's like, okay, the student's having a mental health crisis and they're having to drop out and you know, so they're not retaining. It could just be like, can't we just make it easier for them and try to remove friction, you know, just have them be having mm -hmm. these outlets to kind of process and grow and develop and everything. Like it, we owe it to ourselves as institutions, you know, for the, all these resources that we have and we owe it to our students to make sure that, they just have like the most satisfying, you know, sort of uh, experience at our institutions as possible. So right. it's not even just sort of like trying to kind of like, you know, identify those most at risk students, which that is important. It's 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 that and trying to just make sure if somebody's having a hard time, they can get the help that they need when they need it. Um, and, you know, that goes from a prospective student trying to kind of check all the boxes and all the things to, you know, a student preparing for graduation. You know, there's always right. just a lot to kind of manage and to know and, you know, wanting to maybe like check over your shoulder or, you know, engage with peers mm -hmm. or engage with other, um, you know, Dustin, support do, staff. Do you, yeah. Do you remember what your orientation was like as well? <laughs> like, I know we just talked about your alma mater, but I was just trying, as you're, you're explaining all this. I was just trying to think of mine. It's been. Now I will say something. So this kind of puts an interesting <laughs> wrinkle into everything. So I did a unique program uh, in Delaware where you can take essentially satellite classes for the university of Delaware in uh, one of the community college campuses. So I was studying oh, cool. more local to me and was essentially just commuting into the community college. So then I think I was kind of like considered a transfer kind of, you know, where like I wasn't at the main campus first year student in mm -hmm. one of the residence halls. So like, I never really got an orientation experience. And I think that that is another sort of oversight and another sort of like persona type that you could be having is like, how would we give a similar engaging supportive experience for a transfer student who's coming in where it's like, well, they've been to college before, they know some stuff, but they don't know how things work here and all of that. So you'd want to be mindful of being able to tag this person as a transfer student and provide to them an orientation of some sort and other sort of like, you know, groups or things that would uh, be able to 
help them to get their bearings and all of that because I think uh, it's something like you know I wouldn't even like single out by all the water of like struggling with this. A lot of institutions struggle with it, and right, right. I think it's it's just something to think about of like that you could be again investing in some digital first infrastructure. And that you'd be completely having a blind spot of like transfer students who increasingly are like a population that, you know, especially a lot of like public, you know, four year state institutions are trying to kind of pull in students from the local community colleges and everything. It's like, well, you need right. to make sure that you're treating them similar but different, you know, as you would a fresh first year student who has never studied at any other place. You know, you'd want to try to welcome them in as warmly uh, you know, welcome and transfer students as warmly as you would, mm-hmm. you know, these, these new year students, you know, new students who are getting much more of the emphasis, I think, traditionally. Um, so that that was kind of my experiences that they're like, really wasn't one. And that's like, as I'm talking in out here, I'm like, yeah, we have to be mindful of that as well as we try to, you know, build up our classes each year and trying to have, you know, healthy uh, student populations and again, have those students be supported and retained. That's very interesting. I'm, I'm like, I went to a big university as well, big public university, CU Boulder. And I don't think there is any personalization that I can at least remember today other than like, hey, here are the welcome day events. Here's like the concert we're doing on Friday night. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I really can't remember anything in particular that was like personalized. So, I mean, huge opportunity, like in the cell phones, like not everyone had a smartphone then. So you know, I, I think some of the digital first capabilities of today didn't even exist, you know, but I that would have been nice for sure. Um, you know, speaking of creating these personalized experiences, is there a certain school size or school type, you know, like private, large institution, regional, like that creating these experiences will have like the biggest benefit for the school? The reason I ask that is like, if you're an Ivy League school and you're like, Hey, we have no enrollment issues, right? Like our school's not struggling at all. Like we don't care. Like, like what what do you say to that versus like a regional school which might have enrollment or admissions decline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a good point, is that like, you know, it's just something that's overlooked by the schools that yeah, don't have to struggle or kind of hustle, you know, with each of their incoming classes and stuff, which again on principle, I think that they should be caring about the student experience and giving them as you know supportive uh, experiences as yeah. they uh, possibly can. But uh, yeah, it's, there's not like that sense of urgency. And I think mm-hmm. uh, what I've observed over like the past year that I've been at Pathify is that like it's interesting that yeah, there's a lot of uh, religious in- institutions which I really did not expect that like really have such a deep commitment to really kind of building this you know inclusive community for the for the whole you know institution that they have, and even just making sure that if they have you know, services that they do that they, you know, are making sure people are aware of those and can uh, be a part of them. And uh, certainly community colleges, you know, it's in the name, like they want to be very accessible, very approachable, very supportive of their students. So uh, we've seen it be very impactful for them. And then um, otherwise, I think it is just like, uh, yeah, you could have your small liberal arts who's, you know, tuition driven and, you know, living and dying by, you know, each, uh, each student that they bring in that they'd want to, uh, as much as they can, I think, spare no expense, you know, in making sure that they've got as many guardrails up as they can to, you know, not, not let people just sort of, you know, fall off and they're kind of just, you know, there wasn't much that they really could have done or something. But, um, so I think that those are two interesting observations and I think mm-hmm. we'll see, um, yeah, just this more of that and uh, 
other like affinity based institutions like HBCUs, you know, they obviously have their own kind of deep commitment and tradition and history and community uh, that they'd want to try to, um, yeah, just create, you know, a really supportive network. Do you think in the future, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think future, like, do you think we'll have like a Netflix of, of student enrollment where like all your favorite shows are recommended to you now, you know? Like, is that the future state of where higher ed will go, especially for prospective and transfer students? You know, because I think that is always, and I, I mean, it's, it's fallen out of fashion a little bit, but everyone's saying like, oh, we're, you know, we're making the Netflix of blank. Like it was literally like everything in life or like it's the Uber of this or whatever. And I think for <laughs> right. education, like the MOOCs, you know, of the world, the Coursera's and edX and stuff is like the closest thing that we have currently to that, I feel like. And I do honestly think that we'll get, we're going to keep getting closer to where there's going to be kind of consortium sort of efforts and networks where, you know, and I, and I always love seeing these is when like either like a, you know, dense urban center like DC or New York or a mm -hmm. region like the greater sort of like Baltimore, DC area, like when they are able to kind of network and work together to support each other where like, oh, we have a lot of this, you have none, we can help support you with like our program offerings or, you know, different like, you know, involvement opportunities. So I think we'll keep seeing more of that because like there's just people who are, you know, whether they're on the ed tech side or those institutional leaders who I think are seeing the benefits as institutions are closing and merging to like almost have a little bit more foresight to not be like, hey, we are just like drowning financially as an institution. How can we try to just survive? You can maybe at least have the foresight of like, could we work with our neighbor institutions or similar institutions across the country to sort of like compensate where others are struggling so then we all kind of collectively benefit because it's like right it's all just education you see people like in education like show and tell so much and share with each other and support each other so i think that's like kind of the next evolution like i don't think it's literally going to be like you log into a netflix style interface and just pick and choose courses and you just make your degree and it's super seamless like that could be very far off but like just even the notion mm -hmm. that like institutions stop seeing each other so much as competitors and start seeing opportunities to sort of like create these sort of robust libraries of courses right. or involvement opportunities or just other things. Like, I mean, you're already seeing like the athletic conferences, like sort of kind mm -hmm. of play around in this sort of space and other things. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. It's just like the merger sort of side of the equation. And if institutions are almost like getting ahead of that, prior to when they like have to or else they'll just you know cease to exist yeah that's really cool i think one of my past guests i think it was i know I'm, I'm blanking it was a regional university like more in the midwest and they have like a program with john deere like they have like a <coughs> specific course with john deere where they can learn more like agricultural farming like engineering and they actually partnered directly with john deere to like help create those courses which I thought was fascinating and they're super involved with their community as well. And so I kind of aligned to what you're saying right now, which I thought was pretty impressive because mm -hmm. that would interest me if I went to school, you know, if like I can have direct relations outside of just, just the campus and just the school, that'd be really yeah. unique. Yeah. I mean, corporate partners can be a part of it as well, for sure. So, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, that's something that I hope to uh, potentially talk about uh, as like another teaser, I guess, as uh, this, you know, comes out is uh, at South by next year. That's like the proposal that I put in for the panel picker was like partnerships. Yeah, well, partnerships was a big part of his alliteration. I'm like, 
partnerships, pathways, or peril. That was it. And the idea that it's like it's corporate partnerships and institutions sort of partnering with each other and even like boot camps partnering with institutions so that like a student does a you know one year technical boot camp and then can get you know preferred admission into um you know Ooh, getting associates be or bachelors. One. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's a that's a heavy competition right now, right? Like we're we're big X's no like we're not on the same team right now there. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that would be interesting. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, Dustin, it was great to have you on today. I was wondering where our listeners could connect with you and learn more about what you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, folks can absolutely connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. Um, just search my name and uh, should be one of the first ones to come up because I feel like I, I don't know how many uh, Dustin Ramsales there are that are as active on LinkedIn or uh, go to pathify.com. So it's just pathify.com. Uh so that is, you know, my day job. I work on creating content there, so you can find a lot of stuff that I've made uh, there, like their podcast, uh, Connected Campus, or um, yeah, just some blog posts and things. So um, yeah, look forward to to hearing from folks. Awesome, thank you again, Dustin, for joining us, and hopefully it's not the last. And thanks for our audience for tuning in today. Make sure to check out the next episode. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>